Hello, you are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. The following recording is intended solely for the use of blind, visually impaired, and print format disabled individuals. Thank you for joining us for Hobby Radio. My name is Keith, amateur radio operator W0NX. The following articles are from the July 2021 The Spectrum Monitor, and we'll begin with Radio Horizons, the product announcements of interest to TSM readers. National Radio Club's 42nd AM Radio Log. Now accepting pre-orders for August 2021 shipment. The National Radio Club, the world's oldest and largest broadcast band DX club, is proud to announce the publication of the 42nd edition of the AM Radio Log. The AM Radio Log is a source for information on AM radio stations in the United States and Canada. The log contains 304 pages of individual station data and cross-references, and an additional 12 pages of instructions in 8.5 by 11-inch size, three-hole-punched, U.S. loose-leaf format. This publication fits nicely into a 1-inch three-ring binder. Reference lists include state provinces in frequency order, listings of regional groups of stations in the groups section, and a comprehensive list of FM translators that are now simulcasting with AM broadcasters. Order by snail mail, by check, or money order in U.S. funds. Colorado residents only, please add 8% sales tax, or your local Colorado sales tax rate if lower, to National Radio Club, P.O. Box 4732 Aurora, Colorado, 80047-3251 or order using your PayPal account at nationalradioclub.org Member Price USA $30.95 Priority Mail Non-Member USA Price $37.95 Priority Mail Member, non-member, Canada price, 44 U.S. dollars, 60 cents, global priority mail. Member, non-member, outside U.S. and Canada, 55 U.S. dollars, 75 cents, global priority mail. Prices subject to changes if USPS raises the postage. And now, RF Current, news from the world of communications. RF Current is compiled and edited by Ken Reitz, KS4CR, from various news sources and links supplied by TSM readers. If you find an interesting story pertaining to amateur, shortwave, scanning, broadcasting, or satellites, send a link to editor at thespectrummonitor.com. Franken FM stations may or may not go dark. Most readers understand the phenomenon of being able to receive the audio portion of an analog channel 6 TV broadcast on any analog FM radio tuned to 87.7 MHz, which is just below the official beginning of the U.S. FM band. But in 2009, 
most U.S. analog TV stations were required to switch to digital TV, DTV, broadcasts using the ATSC 1.0 standard, causing most of those signals to disappear, except for those low-power Channel 6 stations not required to make the switch in 2009. It's hard to believe, but the FCC had not anticipated that by doing so they had created a monster. Franken-FM stations was the term given by Radio World, an online industry trade publication, to describe the resulting bureaucratic snafu. Companies that owned the licenses for such stations quickly realized that, instead of being dead last in the local TV ratings, by converting the station to audio only and becoming an FM radio station, they could actually be counted in the market's FM ratings. That's what happened in Chicago with WRMELP, which is now 10th in the Chicago area among FM stations, with a cumulative audience of over 500,000 listeners, according to Chicago media observer Robert Fetter. Because such analog TV transmissions aren't compatible on the band with ATSC 1.0 digital signals, the FCC set July 13, 2021, as the deadline for all such stations to leave the air. But analog Channel 6 license holders aren't giving up. That's because the new digital TV format, known as ATSC 3.0, which has been rolling out across the U.S. for over a year, allows the transmission of an analog FM signal that is compatible with the ATSC 3.0 TV signal. According to Wikipedia, since 2020, Venture Technologies Group, which owns several Channel 6 low-power TV stations in major markets, has worked on a system that allows an analog FM audio subcarrier to coexist with the ATSC 3.0 digital TV signal. This company's KBKF LP in San Jose, California, began transmitting using the ATSC 3.0 standard in February 2021. The company cited the FCC's subsidiary communications authority rules, which in general affords broadcasters broad permission to offer services of any nature as long as they do not interfere with DTV broadcast station's obligations to transmit at least one over-the-air video program signal at no direct charge to viewers, a distinction that Venture says allows a digital TV signal to incorporate an analog subcarrier. In an article June 10th, Radio Television Business Report noted that the FCC granted special temporary authority for the use of an FM radio signal alongside its ATSC 3.0 TV signal for VHF Channel 6, thus allowing the low-power facilities to continue operation as an audio-first media entity for now. And that's the key for now. On June 11th, the FCC issued a public notice stating, The Media Bureau reminds those remaining analog low-power television and TV translator stations that have not filed for a digital construction permit to construct a digital facility to do so immediately. 
those analog LPTV translator stations that fail to take immediate action will risk having their licenses automatically canceled after the July 13, 2021 analog termination date. The FCC has helpfully provided a list of 314 such stations in a spreadsheet that can be found on FCC.gov. It should be noted that not everyone is thrilled by the prospect of these stations remaining on the air. National Public Radio, which sees these stations as unwanted competition for listeners, opposes the plans and claims the FCC does not have the legal authority to let Franken-FM stations continue, according to a June 14th report on InsideRadio.com. That remains to be seen. For now, the FCC has not specifically ruled out the adoption of ATSC 3.0 with analog FM audio. A glance through the FCC list shows that many of these stations are owned by city councils, public schools, universities, colleges, religious organizations, municipalities, individuals, as well as public and commercial TV companies, the state of Alaska owns 68 such licenses. Public radio station in a public library. The Fort Wayne, Indiana Journal-Gazette reported on the five years that the Allen County Public Library has hosted a 100-watt public radio station. The station, WELT-FM 95.7 MHz, was started by a former library worker who applied for a low-power FM, LPFM, license in 2005, but didn't make the cut. He kept trying, and some ten years later, during the last LPFM application window, his application was accepted. WELT is a totally free-form station, staffed by volunteers from the Fort Wayne community, who decide what kind of programming they'll present with no limits. The current station manager is the only paid employee. The article noted, The producers fill 80 different shows each week, two-thirds of them local. Some broadcast weekly, some bi-weekly, and some monthly. Some are live, and most are pre-recorded, which was a good thing during the recent pandemic, allowing them to work from home and send their shows online through file-sharing programs. It's an interesting approach, and one to keep in mind when the FCC opens a new filing window for non-commercial FM stations, the exact dates of which are expected to be announced later this year. In a slightly connected topic, Last month, the FCC sought comment on a new petition to an earlier notice of proposed rulemaking, NPRM, that would allow certain LPFM stations to upgrade their transmitters from 100 watts, maximum effective radiated power, ERP, at 30 meters height above average terrain, HAAT, to 250 watts at 30 meters, HAAT. LPFM advocates argue that applying the 100-watt power cap intended to limit interference in densely populated markets penalizes LPFM stations in more rural areas 
where there is less local FM band competition, and listeners are necessarily further away. However, an order on reconsideration issued June 16th by the FCC declined the proposal to raise LPFM transmission limits to 250 watts as procedurally infirm, meaning that the proposal reiterated many of the same arguments that the Commission has previously rejected. But the order held the door open that once LPFM stations have an opportunity to apply for and implement translator use, there should be significant improvements in many of the reception issues that have caused them to seek a power increase. Pushing AMHD Radio Limits Digital AM broadcasting in the U.S. using Xperia's HD radio digital system is almost 20 years old, originally approved for U.S. broadcasting by the FCC in 2002. When the FCC announced the acceptance of HD radio, known to broadcast engineers as in-band on-channel IBOC, it was originally used in a hybrid mode, simulcasting analog and digital versions of the same programming from the same tower. Both AM and FM bands were allowed to operate HD radio transmissions in hybrid mode. The FCC allowed FM HD radio stations to broadcast auxiliary audio services as HD1, HD2, etc., but disallowed AM stations from transmitting auxiliary channels. Then, three years ago this month, the FCC allowed the first all-digital AM station to begin broadcasting without an analog component. The experimental test bed was WWFDAM, 820 kHz, Frederick, Maryland. Now, as reported in the May 7th edition of RadioWorld.com, after two years the FCC is allowing WWFD, under an experimental license, to broadcast with an HD2 signal in addition to its original HD signal. After their tests, Xperi and WWFD engineers will report their findings to the FCC and the NAB at this year's Broadcast Engineering and IT Conference, October 9th to the 13th in Las Vegas. Most cars sold in the U.S. today have radios that are HD radio capable for both AM and FM, though in some models it's not obvious how to tune in the HD services and the owner's manual has to be consulted. While there are a few desktop and portable sets that are able to receive such broadcasts, there are no AM sets capable of receiving auxiliary AM broadcasts. For AM HD2 tests, Xperi engineers are using a calibrated loop antenna on the roof of their test vehicle, a field strength meter, a spectrum analyzer, and an Xperi test receiver capable of receiving the HD2 signal, according to the Radio World report. It will likely be some time before in-dash sets capable of receiving AM HD2 signals let alone standalone radios for the home. Toronto Station First Hybrid HD Radio in Canada 
Radio World Online reported that Canadian AM radio station CHLO 530 kHz, Brampton, Ontario, a suburb of Toronto, is now broadcasting in the digital hybrid HD radio mode, transmitting both analog and digital HD radio signals, and is believed to be the first Canadian station to do so. According to the FCC database, CHLO is a Class B station running 1 kilowatt daytime and 250 watts at night from a single tower. The station's programming is aimed at the area's South Asian population. The Director of Engineering and IT told Radio World that the switch to hybrid mode is in part to test interference from many urban-generated sources, including Toronto's new fleet of fully electric buses. There was one report of the station's signal interfering with Navtex transmissions on 518 kHz, according to the article. Japanese commercial AM stations to switch to FM. The Maniki English language newspaper from Japan reported mid June that 44 of 47 commercial AM radio stations across Japan plan to switch to FM broadcasting by 2028. The report noted that revenue from advertising on AM stations has been falling and that the switch to broadcasting via FM will begin as early as 2023. Because FM does not propagate as well in mountainous regions, the report noted that stations in Hokkaido and Akita prefectures in northern Japan will continue AM broadcasting. ATSC 3.0 to be deployed in Washington, D.C. The new digital TV format known as ATSC 3.0, which replaces the current ATSC 1.0 digital system, has been slowly rolling out in select areas of the U.S. According to a press release June 16th from ATSC.org, the service will debut later this summer in Washington, D.C., using the academic resources and technical prowess of Howard University's WHUT, serving as the host station for ATSC 3.0 broadcasts for five local stations affiliated with national broadcast networks. The university owns and operates WHUT, the first and only public TV station owned and licensed to an historically black institution. WHUT will host next-gen broadcasts for local stations WHUT-PBS, WJLA-ABC, WUSA-CBS, WTTG-FOX, and WRC-NBC. ATSC 3.0 also reports that testing in the Phoenix, Arizona market has shown the capability of single-frequency networking, SFN, can help TV broadcasters enhance reception of TV signals. Since last summer, we've been testing our various configurations with another next-gen TV transmission tower that can greatly enhance reception and make possible new services, such as data sent to both cars and homes, said Ann Shell, Managing Director of Pearl TV, 
which is coordinating the Phoenix Model Market Project. Starting in February, we began a series of tests of the SFN from KASW on Physical Channel 27, with its primary transmitter about eight miles south of downtown Phoenix and a smaller transmitter on the same Physical Channel 27 about 18 miles away on Shaw Butte, we were able to determine the impact of how different power levels and polarizations affected reception at various locations around the Phoenix metro area. Technical coordination between the two transmitters was shown to dramatically enhance what a consumer would be expected to receive, said Pearl TV Chief Technical Officer Dave Folsom. Pearl TV is also managing the WHUT ATSC 3.0 broadcasts. QSO Today Ham Expo, August 14th to 15th. Eric Guth, 4Z1UG, has announced that the third QSO Today Ham Expo will take place August 14th to 15th and feature more than 80 internationally recognized radio amateur speakers who are experts on topics including emergency services, antennas, HF operation, contesting, de-expeditions, ham radio on a budget, satellite communication, VHF and above, digital modes, QRP, home brewing, field, mobile, and portable operations, software-defined radio, test equipment and repair, and much more. Eric reminds us that a big limitation of in-person events is that you can't watch many of the presentations since you can only be in one room at a time. But you can return to the Ham Expo any time within 30 days to listen to any of the live speakers you missed, as well as exploring exhibitor offerings. He notes that at their last Expo they had 7,500 attendees who downloaded over 100,000 presentations. Early bird tickets are $10 and then $12.50 during the expo. You can learn more by going to the QSO Today Ham Expo website at qsotodayhamexpo.com. CTA. TVs surpass smartphones for now. The Consumer Technology Association, CTA, which sponsors the technology extravaganza known as CES in Las Vegas each January, announced its 23rd Annual Consumer Technology Ownership and Market Potential Study, showing that the most frequently owned tech products in U.S. homes are, once again, TVs, but the second most frequently owned tech products, smartphones, 90%, may surpass TVs in 2022. 37% of consumers plan to buy smartphones in the next 12 months, while 29% of consumers plan to buy TVs. The other top five most frequently owned products are notebooks or laptop computers, 73%, portable device chargers, 71%, and computer accessories such as wireless keyboard or mouse, 65%. 
The Spectrum Monitor is edited and published by Ken Reitz, KS4ZR, former managing editor, features editor, columnist, and feature writer for Monitoring Times. This is the Audio Information Network of Colorado. Thank you for joining us for Hobby Radio. My name is Keith. We invite you to please stay tuned for our next program.